Church family, I sure love you and, and I appreciate you. We're going to take a, uh, I apologize for those on this side of the pulpit there. This pulpit is very heavy and I didn't ask them to move that. So you'll probably, if you can't see me straight on, I would encourage you to look on that beautiful big iMag and watch it there if you would. Sorry that's a close-up of us and I know it's rough to watch us, but... Um, one of the greatest joys in a Christian's life is to show the gospel of Christ to another person who eventually becomes a Christian, not because of you, but because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The, the most powerful thing on the planet is the gospel of Jesus. You don't have to be powerful to share it. You just need to be obedient. There's just a, you, there's only, you know, only one option when it comes to soul winning if you're saved. And that is, uh, if you don't want to do it, you're disobedient. Because <laughs> God commanded us. It's not just to pastors, it's to everyone. And uh, I am not the best soul winner in the world, but I happen to be your pastor at the present time, so I feel a responsibility to at least demonstrate how you might lead someone to Christ. And um, it's, I had the chance to do it. I've done it several times in the last couple of weeks to different people. And uh, I feel like it's a daily responsibility. I don't every day lead someone to Christ. I don't every day get to share the gospel with someone in its entirety. But I do believe it should be every Christian's everyday responsibility to share the gospel with somebody. And the gospel's not broken. It will work. I've done this with atheists. I've done this with agnostics. I've done it with Muslims, with Jews. I've done it with Hindu folks. I've done it with people who are confused. They're confused with Confucianism. There, I have I've, anybody. They say, "Well, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that," or "I'm this," or "I'm that." I say, "Was well, anyone ever showed you what the Bible says? Has anyone given you the gospel of Jesus Christ?" And I think there's two questions to learn to ask, and and that is, uh, could I show you from the Bible? what someone showed me. Years ago, I used to ask someone, their first question, I would say, do you know for sure if you die today, you go to heaven? I don't think it's wrong to ask that, okay? However, I have found a, a little bit different approach, and that is to tell people what happened to me first, and then ask them, how about you? Do you know for sure when life is over, you go to heaven? Or has anyone ever showed you from the Bible the verses that teach you how to have eternal life? That's a great question. Has anyone ever showed you from the Bible the verses that tell you how you can know for sure you have eternal life with God, that you're going to heaven one day? And if they say, well, no, then you can tell them. The next question is, can I show you? Would you allow me to take a few minutes to share with you the gospel? I'm so glad that Antonio is here with me. Antonio, I went to his home he and his girlfriend were living together. Now his girlfriend's his lovely wife. But uh, they were living together on First Street uh, in uh, Long Beach, California. And I, uh, they, uh, I went to their home one night. They went to Ikea just to buy a, a table so I could sit at, right? And uh, they, uh, they had uh, the spiciest spaghetti you'll ever have in your life there. It was, uh, I thought I was Mexican with a halibonera there for a while. But it was good, but I ate that, and then I sat down with them and showed them and found out he had already gotten saved, and, and Hannah got her salvation settled, but um, had the chance to talk to them, then help them get 
follow the Lord in baptism, get married, and just a sweet testimony. Now they're one of our servants of Christ here, some of the finest people I know and sweetest friends on the planet to Linda and I. But I'm going to ask him tonight if he would please let represent someone that I'm talking to and sharing the gospel with. And uh, so I'm just going to share with you the, kind of what I would do if I were talking to him. I try not to take too long, but I want it to be helpful to you. There may be something you'll learn. You may do things a lot better than I do or different, and that's okay. This is just something that, uh, that, I have, that God has used in my heart, and I've tried to do it, and I want to be a blessing to you and explain it tonight. But let's pretend that I already know Antonio, and I happen to already know him, but uh, I say I know him, and we've got through a lot of the fluff and talking about different things and talking about how he was a painter and he did this and where he worked, so forth and so on. And now we're coming down to the gospel presentation. And I say, Antonio, I'll tell you one of the best days of my life, someone asked me a very hard question. They said, John... Do you know 100% sure when you die, you go to heaven? And Antonio, I did not know. I did not know the answer to that question. And uh, even though it was a hard question and it put me on my heels and made me very awkward because I didn't know the answer, it really became the very best day of my life. Because after that question, someone loved me enough and took a Bible and showed me how I could know for sure when life was over, I'd have eternal life. I could have peace with God. I could have my sins forgiven. I want to just tell you just a couple of things I just said. Number one, if you can use their name, especially if they're a stranger to you when you meet them, learn their name and use their name. I want to tell you when you witness to someone, there's someone who gets very involved in that, in that encounter, and that's the devil and his imps. Okay? It'll cause them to be distracted. And using someone's name is a natural way to draw them back to what you're doing. You're not manipulating. You're just using wisdom to bring them back. Number two, you have to understand that an unsaved person doesn't understand the word saved, salvation, born again. They're very, you, may, you may be very familiar with They're not going to understand those words. So more things, grace you know, have to be defined a little bit. And so you'll notice I'll say, they showed me how I could have eternal life with God. They showed me how I could have my sins forgiven, how I could have peace with God, and I can know for sure that when I died, I'd go to heaven. I'm saying it in multiple ways, but it all means the same thing, okay? So that's a little, just a little side sidebar there. But anyway, Antonio, that was the very best day of my life. And let me ask you, Antonio, do you know for sure when life's over you'd go to heaven? Or has anyone ever showed you the verses in the Bible that tell you how you can be saved or born again? You know, I, I think so. Um, my grandpa used to go to church. And then my, my mom, my dad, they were very, um, they're very religious. I'm not, I'm not really that religious. I do go to church on Christmas or Easter, though. Mm -hmm. I, do, I, do, I do do that. Okay. Um, very good. Let me stop. Did he tell me a good answer that he saved? Okay, no. So, here's a, here's a, here's a little bit of a thought. I usually would say to him, I want to th use three terms. Compliment, compare, and correct. Okay? Compliment, compare, correct. Can you help me with those words? So basically he said his family is religious, he's not that religious, but he thinks he's going to be okay because his grandpa taught him about that. 
So I'm going to say, you know, Antonio, it is wonderful to have a religious family. And I actually, my dad and, uh, was religious, and I'm very thankful for that. But you know, one thing that's important, Antonio, is what our parents do do not determine our eternal destiny. What the Bible says is most important. Could I share with you what the Bible says about how we could have eternal life? Sure. Okay. So I, what I did, I complimented. I compared. I have a dad like that. Someone says, okay, well, I, I'm a good person. Well, I can say, you know, it's really good to be a good person. And I want to be a good person myself. But the Bible's very clear. We can't earn eternal life by being a good person. Could I show you in the Bible where the Bible tells us that? So I've complimented, compared, and corrected the thing. I can't leave him that way. can't leave him thinking, oh, because Grandpa was a good person, he's saved. I have to correct it, but we can correct it by, you don't want to just say, no, you're wrong. Your Grandpa didn't know what he was talking about. I'm telling you, you know, you, what's going to happen with that? I'm going to put up a wall real quickly. And he's not one to listen to me. I've just now dished his Grandpa, okay? So it's a compliment, compare, correct. Oh. Well, thank you for giving me the chance. Now, I'm going to show you, there's, the Bible is 66 books in one book, and, and one of those books is the book of Romans. It's only 16 chapters, and it kind of lays out God's plan of salvation. It tells us about our sin, about God's solution for our sin, and how we can live for God after we know that. And uh, Antonio, this is, uh, I'm going to just share with you the high points. We won't read through the whole book, and you'll thank me for that. But I wanted to share with you several things. Here's what I want you to know. If I'm not a salesman, I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where he found some food. Someone showed this to me. It made sense to me, and I want it to make sense to you. So if I say something that's not clear, you feel free to ask me a question. I want to help it be clear. Number two. If you want me to stop sharing this information to you, you've got something to do, or you've just come to a place you want me to stop, I will respect your decision, and you won't have to worry about offending me. I understand. Is that okay? Yes, please show me. Okay. And once again, I say that because I, I don't... People are automatically skeptical of what you're sharing with them, okay? And they're trying to think, who are you trying to make me a Baptist? You're trying to do this... I find that I want to help them understand that I, I, am, I just want to share it with them. And, and oftentimes, if they understand that, I, if they ask me to stop, I'll do it. And I've had a couple people in hundreds of times of doing that say, you know, I think you told me I could stop you. I don't like what you just said about hell. I think I want to stop right there. And I say, I, I respect that. Then I reach in my pocket, I get a gospel track, and I say, would you consider just keeping this in case you ever think about it again? You'll know what I was explaining to you. And I, and I honor that. I don't want to lie to them. I don't want to rush them through something they're not ready to receive. I believe the Spirit of God will work on their hearts. The Word of God will work. So uh, he's given me permission. Let's continue. Sir Antonio, the Bible tells us in, in uh, Romans chapter 3, verse number 10, this, this truth. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. The Bible is telling us very clear that nobody does the right thing all the time. Would you be in that group? Yeah, I mean, everybody's a sinner. Everybody's wrong. Yeah, yeah everybody's everybody wrong. is, and, and I am, and you are. And it goes on to say that we're sinners with our words. Our throat is an open suckler. Our tongues have used deceit. We've lied. 
Verse number 14, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Oftentimes we don't care about others. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the ways of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. We don't think about God. He's summing up a little bit of a person's state that is, is in trouble with God because we have a sin nature. Yes, everybody has sinned, Antonio, but what we have to understand is that I have sinned and you have sinned. Let's look at verse number, chapter 3, verse 23. Would you mind reading it for me, please? 23? Uh-huh. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Antonio, could, if, if a third grader asked you what that verse means, what would you tell them? For all have sinned and come short of the glory. What do you think that means in simple terms? We're all sinners. Yeah, we all have sinned. And I can't get to God. On our own, yeah. We're all sinners and we can't, we fall short of what it takes to go to heaven on our own. The Bible tells us that all of us come short of where we miss the mark. It's like jumping across the Grand Canyon. Doesn't matter how good of a jumper you are, if you try to jump, you're not going to make the other side. If we try to go from this life into the presence of God in our own righteousness, he said, no, it won't happen. We all come short of the glory of God. In chapter 5 and verse number 12, the Bible tells us where we got that sin nature. Wherefore, as by one man, that was Adam, sin entered into the world. The first man brought sin to the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Antonio, the Bible tells us there, when Adam sinned, then his kids were sinners, their kids were sinners. And something you and I have in common with every human being we've ever met, they all have a human father. But there was one person that didn't have a human father, and that was Jesus. Joseph or no other man could have been Jesus' father. But if they were, they would have been a sinner, a sinner like you and like me. We sin by nature and we sin by choice. Yeah, we, we, you don't have to teach. I've got nine kids. I don't have to teach them how to sin. I don't have to teach them how to lie, how to lose their temper, how to get mad. You've got a son. We know him well. Yeah. It's not good, oh. you know? Oh. No. You don't have to teach Esteban how to do wrong. He already knows how. Do you know why? Because he has you and him. you got your dad and you all the way back to Adam. So the first thing God wants us to understand, Antonio, is that we're sinners and we can't save ourselves. We fall short of what it takes to go to heaven in our own righteousness. The second point is really worse than the first, but there is good news coming. Let's look at chapter 6 and verse number 23. Would you mind reading that for me? Now, I'll just say this real quickly. Some people are not good at reading. You don't want to embarrass them. But if you find the person can do that, I find there's benefit in sometimes asking them to read it and kind of tell me what they think it means. I think the Spirit of God oftentimes brings to their heart the truth. And when they verbalize it, I find it to be very powerful. I don't always do that, but I have found that to be helpful. Would you read verse 23, please? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible says here the wages of sin is what? Death. Death. And the Bible teaches wage. You, you paint, you work at different places, you do the job, your boss pays you this. You do this many hours, he gives your wage. God says, because I've sinned, 
the wages of my sin and your sin, Antonio, is death. In the Bible, death is referred to in two stages, a physical death and a spiritual death. Both of them are not annihilation, they're separation. Maybe you've known someone who's died. Do you know anybody in your life that's passed away? Who comes to your mind? My aunt. Your aunt. And so your aunt, whenever she died, she didn't just disintegrate in front of her loved ones. No. She has been separated from you. You couldn't call her anymore. Her body stayed and her spirit and soul left. And that's a physical death. The Bible says everyone will have an appointment with the physical death. But this verse says the wages of sin is death. It's not just talking about a physical death. It's talking about a spiritual death. And this is not my favorite passage of Scripture, Antonio, but I would not be an honest man if I didn't show it to you. In the book of the Revelation, it tells us what's going to happen in eternity future. And it begins in chapter 20 and verse 14 to tell us what that second death is. Would you read it for us, verse 14? And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The Bible says here that death and hell were put into this lake of fire. It's the second death. And if anyone doesn't have their name written in the book of life, the Bible says they'll be put in this lake of fire. In chapter 21, verse 8, the Bible refers to it. He tells a group of sinners that deserve to go there, and I'll find myself in that list, and you'd find yourself in that list. But he says that, they, that um, they'll be put into a lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. What God says is the second death is to be separated from him forever in the lake of fire. We're going to die the first death sometime, someplace, but we don't have to die the second death. But the Bible says the wages of our sin is to die. And uh, I like to just say this real quickly. I like to show people the Revelation chapter, and, and even if they give it, if they, you know, sometimes they'll give you a different Bible to look up or a Catholic Bible, whatever. It's even more serious than, the, than some of those right there. But I like to show them Revelation because while I'm talking on the outside, guess who's talking on the inside? Can I bring conviction to their heart? No. But the Spirit of God does, and He uses the Word of God to do that. Okay. So we go back to, Revel to Romans chapter 6, Antonio, and the Bible says this, for the wages of sin is death. The first thing we learn is that we're all sinners and we can't save ourselves. We can't go to heaven our own righteousness. The second thing is the wages of our sin is death. If I had to pay for my own sin, I'd have to die, not only physically, but I have to die spiritually. But God doesn't want that second death to happen for you or for me. Here's what he says. You read it a while ago, but let's rehearse it. For the wages of sin is death. death. But God has an option. The option is the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He says, Antonio, I deserve to die and go to hell. So do you. But God has a gift. Notice it doesn't say a reward. It doesn't say a prize. It says a gift. A gift of God is eternal life. That's the opposite of eternal death. And it's true what Jesus Christ did for us. When he died, he was buried, and he rose again. 
Two things about a gift that are important, Antonio. One, a gift has to be free. If I have a gift to give you, I can give it to you. But if I said to you, now, can you give me $5 for the gift? It wouldn't really be a gift. If I said I have a gift for you, but you need to go wash my car and clean my windows of my house, it wouldn't be a gift. Because a real gift has to be free. Number two, has to be free to the recipient, but also has to be taken or accepted or received by the recipient. You have to accept it. And the Bible tells us here that God knows that we're sinners. We deserve to be separated from him and die that second death, but he loves us. And on the cross, his son Jesus, the innocent, died for you and I, the guilty. And when he died, he was buried and he rose again. He purchased for you and me the gift of eternal life. Sometimes I use this illustration. This is just an illustration, but let's pretend that I have a couple tickets to the Chicago White Sox game. They're doing really good this year. And so let's pretend that I have a couple tickets, and I want to give them to you as a free gift. And I say, here, Antonio, I bought these gifts. They're $100 tickets. They're not too far off of home plate. You're going to enjoy it. I want you to have it, and it's free for me to you. But uh, here, are they yours yet? No. no, you have to accept them. But let's say you do take them. You take the two tickets, you get to your wife, Hannah, or your son, Esteban, and, and you go to the park, and you get your seats, and you're getting your seats, and someone says, hey, your friend says, is that Antonio? Antonio, what are you doing here? And you say, well, you know, I got free tickets. And you would go back to a time and a place and a person. They could say, where'd you get them? You could say, I was at First Baptist Church. When? Oh, 7.55 at evening. Who? My friend John. You'd go back to a time and a place and a person when you accepted the gift, the tickets. You know, everyone going to heaven, they don't have to know the date on the calendar, the time on the clock, but they need to know that they have accepted God's gift of eternal life and received that. Everyone who has eternal life will have a time when they believe and receive the gift of eternal life. So three things I've shared with you, Antonio. Number one, we're sinners. We can't save ourselves. Number two, the price for our sin is to be separated from God in the lake of fire, the second death. The third thing is that Jesus died, he was buried and rose again, and he offers us the gift, not of eternal death, but of eternal life through his payment. The fourth thing is really the ball's in your court. Would you be willing to accept that gift? And if that's true, I want to show you how to do that. In that same book, can I have my tickets back, please? Thank you. In the same book of Romans chapter 10, the Bible tells us very clearly these thoughts. In verse number 10, it tells us, verse chapter 10, verse number 9, it tells us how we receive that gift. It says that if thou, and where it says thou or thy, I'm going to put your name, Antonio. It doesn't do any injustice to Scripture, but it makes it more personal. That if Antonio shall confess with Antonio's mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, then Antonio shall be saved. That word saved is a Bible word that means I'm saved from my sin that damns me or sends me to hell, and I'm given eternal life. It means I, I'm drowning in my sin, and God saves me from that and, and takes me to a relationship with him in heaven. Verse number 10, I love this. Would you read verse number 10? 
For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The Bible says this, and you did a great job reading that, Antonio. But it says, with the heart man believeth. Salvation begins with what's going on in your heart. He said, with the heart someone believes. They're a sinner. They deserve hell. Only Jesus could, could pay their sin debt and give them the gift of eternal life. Then in the heart they believe that. But with the mouth they made known of the salvation. Verse 11 says, for the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him should not be ashamed. He said, if someone really believes on Jesus, they're not embarrassed by it. For there is no difference between the Jew or the Greek. God is not prejudiced. He's not biased. He doesn't save one person and reject another one. He'll accept anybody who would call upon him. Verse 13, for whosoever. That's you, that's me, that's anyone. That shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. By believing in my heart that only Jesus could save me and asking him to save me, God says I could be saved. Antonio, another word for being saved is to be born again. You may have heard of that in maybe movie stars or, or people who say I'm born again. A lot of people don't know what it means, but it came right out of the mouth of Jesus. Jesus said in John chapter 3, in verse number 7, marvel not, don't be surprised that I said to thee, ye must be born again. One thing is a must, according to Jesus, is that people have to be born twice. And the reason Jesus makes it so emphatic, Antonio, is because he knows there's two deaths, a physical death and a spiritual death. And so to avoid the second death, someone must be born again. Our first birth is when we're born into our mom and dad's family. That's what makes us a human being. The second birth is when we're born into God's family. That's the same term as being saved. When someone's saved, a lot of things happen. Their sins are forgiven. They enter into God's family, but they're born to God's family. So Antonio... I want to show you in chapter 1 of John, in verse number 12, this wonderful truth. Let's look at it together. Verse number 12, John chapter 1. But as many as received him. Once again, we're talking about not earning, but accepting a gift. When we receive the gift, we're receiving the gift that Jesus gives us through him. And then to him that received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. That's how we become born to God's family, even to them that believe on his name. The secret of salvation is to believe and to receive, to believe that only Jesus could save you and accept his gift. When we do that, verse 13, what does it say there? Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. He says, whenever we do that, we're born, not by blood, not by our parents, or your mom or your grandpa, grand, as, your, as your grandma, which you mentioned, they were great people, but they can't bring you into God's family. Not by the will of the flesh, nothing you can do. I'm sure you want to be a good person, but you can't save yourself. You're not done it by the will of the flesh or of the will of man. Quite frankly, Antonio, just getting to know you, I want you to be saved. I want you to be born to God's family. I want you to exchange your sin for God's son. But I can't do that for you. That's a choice you have to make yourself. 
He said, we're not born by blood or the will of flesh or the will of man, but of God. But God wants you to be saved. Antonio, I've shared with you simply, I think, the word of God. Three things you need to know, one thing you need to do. Number one, you need to believe that you're a sinner and your sins against God. Do you believe that, Antonio? I do. The second thing is that our sin deserves death. And that death is separation from God forever. Do you believe that the wages of sin is death, separation from God? That's what the Bible says. It does. The third thing is that Jesus died so you could live. Jesus, the innocent, died for you, the guilty sinner, so you could have eternal life. Do you believe that, Antonio? I do. But I feel like in my heart, you know, like there's a voice that's speaking to my heart. I, I don't know. I'm kind of uncomfortable right now. Um, you're saying that all I have to do is just receive Jesus, and it's so easy. It's God didn't make it hard. When you were born into your mother, into your mother and dad's family, you didn't do anything except to have it happen to you. Your mother birthed you. God is the one who births us into His family. And it's not hard to get saved. The hard thing about salvation was done by Jesus. He's the one who died so we could live. We but need to put our faith into him and to believe him. I ask you, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? The reason I want to know, because the Bible says, with the heart man believeth, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. So I can understand being uncomfortable. Is there anything that I share with you that is not clear? No. Do you understand? I understand. Do you believe those things? I believe. Then if you believe that in your heart, the next thing you need to do is to tell God you believe that. Well, how do I do that? I want to help you with that. It's not hard to be saved, but God says, with the heart man believes and with the mouth, confession and salvation. When someone showed this to me, I, uh, I just told the Lord, I'm a sinner. I deserve to be put into hell, but I believe that Jesus died for me. Please come into my heart. I accept your gift. It's not the exact words. The prayer is not necessarily the salvation. But I do believe it's important to call out unto the Lord. But the important thing here is that, that you believe. Let me help you with that. One right now, I pray. Do you have any questions about me with what I shared with you? No. I think it's a good idea just to ask. Because you're not trying to get a person to pray. You're wanting to give the clarity. Make sure they understand. You know, faith cometh by what? Hearing. Now, that word hearing is not just audibly hearing something through your ears. If that were the case, there are several deaf people here tonight who cannot hear what I'm saying. Okay? Can they still be saved? Yes. That means understanding. Faith cometh by understanding. They have to grasp it. So you're not just telling them things in their ear. You're wanting them to understand it in their heart. Okay? And that's, that's an important thing. So I want to ask him, is there any questions you have? Oftentimes, if you'll take the time, folks will say, I, I, no, I understand it. And so if I needed it one more time, I would just say, Antonio, do you believe that you're a sinner and your sin's against God? Oh, yeah, I know. Do you believe that the price of sin is to be separated from God in the lake of fire? Do you believe that Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again so you could be saved, and he offers you the gift of eternal life? Do you believe that? I believe that. 
If Jesus is willing to save you and take your sin, would you be willing to take his sacrifice? Yes. Why don't we do this right now, Antonio? I'm going to pray, and I want to give you a chance to pray. If you'd like for me to help you in a prayer, I'd be glad to do that. I don't know how to pray. Can okay, you I'll help you. I'll help you. Once again, I told you before, it's not the prayer, it's faith that saves us. But it is our prayer way of calling out to the Lord. Right now, why don't we ask the Lord to save us? I'll pray first, and I'll stop and give you a chance to pray. And you can repeat after me a prayer, not to me, no one here but us, but to the Lord. Is that okay? Yes. I normally, if it's a man especially, I enjoy asking them, would you mind if we kneel, went out right here and went to the Lord in prayer? That would be something I would do uh, if they don't. If they balk at that, I have. I had one guy say, "You want me to kneel?" I said, you, "No, we don't have to." He goes, "No, I'm going to do it." He walked away from me, went over to the living room about eight, about ten feet away from me. I'm sitting at the table, and I'm like, "Okay, I think I'll go over there where he is." And uh, he knelt down and and he accepted the Lord. But I would normally say, "I enjoy doing, kneeling." I knelt when I got saved. Would you want to kneel with me? And, and if they want to, that's fine. If they say, I don't really want to or I'm not able to, you can discuss that. I just think there's a matter of humility that I think it adds a little bit of uh, sobriety to this moment. But let's just pretend as though we're ready to pray. Uh, let's pray together. Dear Lord, I've been with Antonio, and he's let me share with you from the Bible how he could be saved. It reminds me of when I got saved. Thank you that someone loved me and showed me from your word and your Holy Spirit told me it was true, and I accepted your gift of eternal life. Antonio wants to do that right now. Father, would you please save him? Antonio, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, could I encourage you with your heart and from your heart and with your mouth, would you say this to the Lord? Dear Lord. Dear Lord. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin's against you. I know my sin is against you. And I deserve to go to hell. And I deserve to go to hell. But I believe that Jesus died for me. But I believe that Jesus died for me. He was buried and he rose again. He was buried and he rose again. And he offers me the gift of eternal life. And he offers me the gift of eternal life. I accept it right now. I accept it right now. Come into my life. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Forgive my sins. And birth me into your family. And birth me into your family. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Antonio, did you mean that? Yes. Boy, if you meant it, God meant it. And he tells us right there in Romans chapter 10, and verse number, verse number um, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I heard you call upon the Lord. Did you mean that? I did, right? yes. If you called upon God, then he saved you. And that makes you my new brother with a different mother. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> That means you're in God's family. And once you're born, you can't be unborn. So according to the Bible, are you saved? Yes. Yes. And according to the Bible, if you're saved, what does that mean? I'm going to heaven. You're going to heaven. You're sent to forgiven. So I, at that time, I don't have time this evening, but I would go into several explanations of uh, I do not wait. This is the best time, in my opinion, to share with them a couple of... Um, of eternal security verses, I would go to John six thirty seven, John ten twenty seven and twenty eight, um, and First uh, John five verse thirteen. Those are great verses to share with them, and if at all possible, you can do that. And then I also talk to them about baptism at this moment. 
If he got saved and he understood the gospel, that's the best time, in my opinion, to talk to them about baptism. After I got saved, I was ready to climb Mount Everest, you know, if that's what God wanted me to do. And I said, there is something God wants you to do. And the first thing about baptism you need to understand is you don't have to do it to go to heaven. Everything to have eternal life happened just a few moments ago in your heart to God. 